0: Into Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is July 5th, 2023, and this is episode 369. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, as normal, we'll go around the bases to take stock of how bad things might be. Or we might not. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right, it's time. For the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you drinking this week? I am drinking The Catch, a West Coast IPA from Peabody Heights Brewery. And it is, is it a real catch?
1: Uh, it's not bad.
0: It's a little hoppier than I was expecting it to be, but not, not bad whatsoever. Don't worry. Be hoppy. Yeah. I am drinking a very fancy beverage this evening. I see fruit. Its can is green. Hmm? It is a Bud Light Lime. <sniffs> Happy summer, Scott. Happy summer. Look, if you're going to continually drink beer that has pumpkin in it in the fall, I'm going to drink beer that is light, terrible, and has lime in it in the summer. These are the concessions we have to make.
1: These are the things uh, that we do on our podcast that has lost us the
0: right-wing audience, um, as it were. So, um, Well, with that, let's step aside and let's take a walk into the medical wing. Except, you know, I'm pulling it up right
1: now, and it's not really working let me go ahead and refresh yeah not really working i keep getting um rate limit exceeded here um so i'm not exactly sure what's going on let me go ahead and try this nope still getting rate limit exceeded let me go back and um you know there's there's something i can do here um it looks like i'm able to go back to an old user interface from 2005 uh to to interact with our podcast notes Um, But we're going to have to kind of go, you know, a little bit more low tech. Um, So, Jake, how bad is bad? Is this, you know, 2005 vibes like we're seeing right now in our show notes? Or is this just
0: bad? Scotty, I'm having an existential crisis because I don't know how I feel. I I will tell you this. This, this season has been a roller coaster in the fact that in the offseason, I was mad. Mm-hmm. I was mad that the Orioles did not do more to ensure that moments like this would be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But then the pieces that they did put in place and and some of the uh, cavalry, if you will, yep. some of the reinforcements proved to be a little bit better than I was expecting. And the Orioles ran away with second place in a season in which uh, only an historic performance by the Tampa Bay Rays kept them out of first. And so I can't help but feel great about that. And so here we are now in what has been a very rough stretch of baseball for the Orioles. But I ask you, Scott, how long would you say this stretch has been truly rough? And I ask that, I'd like to frame it with this, am I crazy to think that this season has had an incredibly hot start, mm-hmm. a a period of pretty good, and then a rather short but painful doldrum that we're currently in?
1: I think that's fair. Um, I, I think that um, if you you look at it, I, I think everything has fallen. A par to a certain regard since the Cincinnati series,
0: right? And and again, we're here on July fifth. Yep. And that series began on ju- uh, June twenty sixth. Yep. And I'm not saying that things aren't bad right now, mm-hmm. because, buddy, they are bad. They're bad. They feel bad. And and really, isn't it our feels mm-hmm. that matter? But what I will say mm-hmm. is, we don't know what's going to happen in the next week, the next two weeks, the next three weeks, whatever but the bad part has really only been a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, there are, there are some folks out there that are pointing out like, Hey, you know, you know, through, if you look at June and you look at the Orioles performance so far in July, they're basically playing 500 baseball, which I say, that's kind of what I would expect the Baltimore Orioles to be doing is playing, you know, somewhere around 500 baseball. Um, but it's kind of like we've said before. And it's also something what Kyle Gibson said, our play in April and May Allow us a little bit of a buffer to, you know, maybe not play playing the best of all times. And again, this is going to happen um, in in a long season. I think I've seen other people post this out in regards to the the '97 Orioles, the 2014 Orioles, the '83 Orioles. You know, good teams in essence get in funks. Good teams in essence, you know, have some some, some bad series. um And it's the question of are you able to rebound from it quick enough? Um, or, you know, does this last into two, three weeks? Uh, and I think that's the big concern that everyone has is, is this the shoe that's going to drop?
0: Right. And, and let's not, let's not be misunderstood here. There are some serious flaws with this ball, with this ball. Of course. It was constructed in a way that depended on really good performances from pretty good players. Yep. And it required really good performances from people we hope are going to be really good players. And so those those structural foundational problems are not going to go away. The, the results may improve, the, the results may not improve, but the flaws are real. I think the point that, that you're so eloquently making, though, is that this should have been expected to some degree, and now the question is, what will happen from here? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, you know, we can't look into the crystal ball and, and know it, but oh i can (laughs) okay okay we we should have we should have had a segment ready then if if you could have refreshed um we will just cover that next week
1: during our 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 scheduled awards appearances
0: oh are you is is this a is this a tease this is a tease okay we we in the industry don't call this a tease but because we really haven't talked
1: it up that much and like kind of said like hey this is coming along next week Are are you referring
0: to the bevvies? I am referring to the bevvies. Are you referring to the 11th annual bevy awards program?
1: 10th had such a better ring to
0: it. Yeah, this is going to be XI. Can I just call it like 10 plus one? You can. Okay, I'm going to just go with 10 10 plus one. You can do that. You can count in base four. I don't care. It's going to be the 11th annual bevy awards. And apparently, Scotty, you are going to dust off um, some crystal ball. So instead of doing that here... Mm -hmm. Let me just let me just ask you. Let's put a finer point on the things that are so painful right now, and I, I want to start with the bullpen. Yeah, which has been a wreck.
1: Yeah, I mean, outside of you know Batista and outside of you know Eric Cano, um, it's been a you know a who's who of like who's going to blow the game for us. Um, and even you know pitchers that have done really well so far this season, a uh, Brian Baker, a uh, Danny Calome have been, you know, at the other end of, we'll call it potentially a little regression going on. Even Yannier Cano has given up runs and had wild pitches go on. So, um, yeah, the bullpen is struggling, is the best way to describe it. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people talked about that, and we've talked about that. Um, it's, not, it's not surprising, but
0: it's really frustrating, especially when there are other miscues occurring on the team. Well, it's, it's particularly frustrating that all of that seems to be happening at the same time. Um, and it's not coincidental because it, it probably has a lot to do with use, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and there are two factors there. Uh, there is a very loud uh, section of, of the Orioles fandom that feels that Brandon Hyde is pulling our starters too quickly. And there have been plenty of performances in which the starters have pulled themselves too quickly by not being able to perform. I mean, you got to think that overuse is a serious factor here, right?
1: Sure. I think there's absolutely no question that... Overuse is is definitely a strain on the bullpen at this given moment, and I think the Orioles, you know, continuing to shuffle out the end of their bullpen um, is evidence of that.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that I wonder about is is how the bullpen is structured and not having a ton of long relievers, particularly long relievers that can be trusted. Mm. Right? Uh, I don't want this to turn into a a Keegan Aiken hate podcast, but there would be room for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy that should be the, the long reliever in the pen, and he can't be trusted to mop-up territory. I think that there are two, again, structural flaws with the Orioles in the fact that they don't have anything in the minors that they can bring up sure. as a long reliever or as a swing guy, right? And when you look at the number of starters that are required in a major league season, it would be really good. When times are rough for the rotation, yep. to be able to bring up a uh, D L Hall, a Grayson Rodriguez, sure. so who who insert name here yeah. and say, Hey, we're gonna push everybody back a day, give you guys a rest, and have you come back and have a better shot of pitching six, seven innings instead of four or five.
1: Yeah. You remember when the Orioles thought they could actually carry a roll five draft pick in their bullpen in spring training? I do recall that. It's pretty funny now looking back on it. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a frustration standpoint. I still think the bullpen piece um, would not be at such a spotlight at this moment if the Orioles were more consistently scoring runs. And I think that's something that we saw in April and May is this team did not roll over. This team did you know pretty well in terms of scoring five plus runs per game, um, and we're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing a lot of performances of you know one to three one baseball, and there just didn't seem to be that fight. We talked about it earlier on the season that. The Orioles never seem to be out of it. They always seem to kind of claw back and win games. And now we're starting to see games that get to the 7th, 8th, and ninth, and you kind of get back to, I know how the script is going to go. Um, and there's just a lot less confidence right now um, watching the team. And even the plate appearances just don't look good.
0: Yeah. And that Yankees game uh, the other night was a really good example of that. I mean, the Orioles allowed the tying run. I think it was 3-2 at the time and and became 3-3. And at that point, the Orioles loaded the bases and squandered the opportunity. And the very bottom of that next inning, the Yankees loaded the bases and scored three runs. Um, And to answer that scoring that happened, Hyde went to a pinch runner. Sure, Ramon Urias, who swung at the first pitch. Yep, and the Orioles got themselves out in nine pitches. Yeah, following the Ori- uh, the Yankees scoring three runs. That's some dark ages baseball crap right there. Yeah, we we talk about
1: that all the time as it relates to a shutdown inning. But there is also the reverse shutdown standpoint, where in essence you give up the lead um, and then you come out and you basically go down within ten pitches. Um, and we talked about that a lot during bad Orioles baseball. Like that just can't happen. And we saw many instances where. You know, I know there's folks that make fun of this, but again, even having long innings where you, in essence, have a foul off session with one batter for 10 or 15 pitches is a huge deal because, again, you're letting the rest of the, you know, lineup see that pitcher a little bit more. So, you know, first pitch swinging and being super hyper aggressive, you know, I think we saw a lot of that, you know, maybe not so much in the red series, but we certainly saw that in the twin series where it looked like some dynamic change. It looked like, you know, the Orioles went from being a, let's try to work counts, to let's take pitches at, you know, ball one or ball two. Um, and I think part of that is probably just because of the scouting report that came out, but it, it really put them in a funk um, across that entire series.
0: The other thing is that, in, in some ways, this team hasn't been battle-tested in losing mode. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all collectively pressing... Because they haven't been here as a team in 2023. Sure. Again, you know,
1: there's no specific player that, you know, you can kind of go back and take a look at. I mean, I know folks are going to focus on Mateo. I know folks are going to focus on Frazier. Um, But again, you know, and I don't want to, you know, point out and say this is his fault is the best way to describe it. Because I don't think it's his fault whatsoever. But, again, we think about that force multiplier standpoint, you know, Adley does set up a lot of the lineup. Um, and, you know, we talked about Mullins as well. Mullins sets up a lot of that lineup. You know, the top of the order just not being that great. And, you know, Adley hasn't been terrible, but I think he's been around like an 80 rate over and created plus during this stretch. That's not great. And, again, you need folks like Adley to get on base um, to set up middle of your order slash bottom of your order to potentially have RBIs. So I think there's just a lot of – I think – you know unfortunately you know everyone got cold at once i can't think of one hitter right now that i'm like i feel good about him coming up to the plate right now i mean i would say you know during the red series and i don't even say during the twin series but during the red series it's like at least jordan westbury is doing well but again like super small sample size and i can't think of anybody else that i'm like i'm really glad this person's coming up to the plate right now
0: yeah i mean really you're right it's it's all at the same time i mean Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman can't be special 100% of the time. And it just happens to be when Cedric Mullins is slow coming back from being on the IL and when Ryan O'Hearn and, and Aaron Hicks, who we were depending on to be more than they were, are falling back to earth all at the same time. Right. And that, that has really undone the Orioles and, and produced a lot of those, you know, three runs is not enough performances. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the big
1: deal. I mean, I just look up and down the lineup for the past you know fourteen days, um, and you've got Adley Rutschman at a seventy four weighted runs created plus. Um, you've got Aaron Hicks now returning back to maybe a normal standard of seventy weighted runs created plus. Um, Ramon Urias is doing pretty well at one hundred four, and Gunnar's still doing well at one hundred one. It just seems like, and again, I don't want to point this out of saying like it's Adley. But like Ali not doing well. Austin Hayes was at a thirty-five weighted ones created plus. Cedric Mullins has just been absolutely abysmal since coming off um, of the IL. And then Ryan O'Hearn is, is another one. And, and again, I, I think Ryan O'Hearn's actually a really great role player. Um, and I think he's going to be a really nice potentially platoon piece with Mountcastle when he comes back. But we've also seen O'Hearn a lot like in the four spot right. in the cleanup spot. <laughs> And it just seems really weird. It seems like it's press, pressing a lot for O'Hearn to be like, we're asking you to clean up the top of the order. I don't get it. Uh, I understand, like, you know, you're you're trying to make something of it and kind of trying to ride the hot hand. But O'Hearn hasn't been hot for now 14 games. So, like, why are we doing that?
0: No. It doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. 100% correct. And, and so you have to ask yourself, you know, does this mean they are who we thought they were? Yeah. Or is this just a period within the season? Yeah. I, a, and, you know, again, I, I got called, you know, Jim Hunter on, on Twitter earlier
1: this well, week. Well, you are. I mean, you're Catholic and I'm you wear litera- wearing glasses. I'm
0: literally wearing you know, orange glasses. glasses that are orange. Yeah. But they're not your, orange. Your color-
1: waistline <laughs> does look better than him right now, but that's a whole other matter. <laughs> they're not
0: orange colored glasses in the fact that, like, it, it's not that this team might not play 650 baseball the way they did in, sure. in April. I just don't think that they're going to be this bad for the rest of the season either. And I think that pretty good is enough in baseball with that third wild card now. Yeah. Especially with that big cushion of the beginning of the season. I think
1: that's the big thing. I think that's the thing that folks are held up on right now, which is they're looking at the Orioles. They're looking at the Rays and they're like, we're putting too much distance between us and the Rays and we're not going to win the AL East. And again, I look at the Rays and I look at the Orioles and I'm like, if the Orioles caught up to the Rays, great. But like my expectations this whole time, this whole season has been like the Rays have on paper a better team when I look at starting pitching bullpen. Yeah. And even when I look at, you know, who they're putting on the field for the nine, I'm like, maybe even is the most possible. But if their pitching is better, they're going to win the division um, nine times out of ten. That doesn't mean the Orioles can't win the division. But I'm saying, like, if I had to put money down, like someone said, you got to bet your mortgage. I'm betting my mortgage on the Rays. Like, no offense. I'm a huge Orioles fan, but, like, the Rays have the better team.
0: And that ship for the Orioles sailed in April. Sure. I mean, the Rays basically sewed up the division in a month of baseball. They're, they've they been playing that good.
1: Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not ready to, in essence, crown them just yet. But I would say that it would take a monumental fall. Sure. And it would take an extremely hot team. Um, and that's not to say that the Orioles and the Rays could not flip, flip spots. But again, you know, even, you know, the Orioles coming out of their hot streak, the Rays being in their hot streak standpoint, and I think the Orioles were only three games back at one point, I still said more than likely the Orioles are still playing for a wild card spot and they're playing for seeding at this given moment.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, again, I, I, got, I got called uh, an optimist. But when I look at this team, with all of its structural failures that we, we, we've we talked about and acknowledged, I don't feel like we're in 2005 territory. I don't feel like, you know, the Orioles are going to get overtaken by the Yankees and never look back. I think it's possible that at some point in the season, you know, they may dip into third place. They might even finish in third place. But I think that they are going to recover to the point where they're going to be a playoff team and a contender sure. in that tournament. Sure.
1: So again, let's go back to, I want you to uh, pull out the DeLorean really yep, quickly for yep. me. I got it. Um, I, I want you to go to the Mr. Fusion. I want you to drop a banana peel in there really quickly. And I want us to go back to 2005 really quickly, if you don't mind. Yep. Um, you are a not a single guy, but you're not a married individual anymore. Yep. Um, and you're going to be getting married. You're going to be going on your honeymoon. When you look at the 2005 Orioles and then you're looking at what is on paper, the 2023 Orioles, What's the bigger biggest differences that you see with the 2005 Orioles versus the 2023 Orioles?
0: You know, it's interesting cuz the 2005 Orioles they were built on smoke and mirrors and the fact that they went and got bullpen names yep that didn't actually mean anything. Correct. And it wasn't good enough. Um and they did have offensive weapons. Yep. But when you look at the offensive weapons that they had I think that this team is much more, you know, one through nine, balanced and
1: better. I think that's right. So I think you're right now, everyone is slumping, and it's really bad. However, you know, these things don't last for long. I mean, it's one of these matters where I look at the team, and I think they're currently at like an 83 rating, one greater plus. There's no chance in in my mind that this team is an 83 to run greater plus. I don't think they were 120, which is what they sure. were earlier this year. I don't think that's the case. I think they've always been at like... 105 to 106 you know slightly above league average but certainly not this bad Um, and again i look at you know the pitching standpoint and again it's as bad as you know as bad as we want to claim the pitching to be i still look at the starting pitching that we have and even the bullpen that we have and i say that is a better more consistent unit as it relates to both starting pitching and also bullpen arms than what we had in 2005 no doubt in my mind And I think that's what it really comes back down to, you know, and we've seen it. Yes, the Orioles are not scoring runs, but, you know, if the Orioles can consistently go out there, get starting pitching that goes six plus innings, that gives up three runs, you're putting yourself in a position every single time. If your offense is average or slightly above average to win a baseball game. Um, The fact of the matter is, you know, the starting pitching hasn't been terrible in that aspect. But the offense has not been consistently scoring three plus runs, and I think you've made this joke before when the Orioles um, lost games at one nothing, and you said, "Well, pitching really needed to hold the team to negative one runs to win this game." Again, it's a balance of both. The offense is eventually going to turn it around. Um, knock on wood, um, they're slightly turning it around this evening, uh, but we'll see. Um, and I think you know there's there's you know, some bad stuff going on, but there's also some really good stuff going on. I mean. Let's look at it and say, you know, we finally got to see Jordan Westbrook come up. We've now seen Colton Kowser tapped into as well. So you have two top 30 prospects called up into the organization. And it certainly looks like Grayson Rodriguez is going to be coming back to the team, maybe not before the All-Star break, but immediately following the All-Star break as well. So yes, it's a rough patch. Yes, you know, the team has not been doing great for, you know, well over a month. we have been playing 500 baseball, um, which most people don't consider to be great. However, I think it's personally fine if the team plays 500 baseball for a solid month, even if it's a month and a half. um, That's going to happen. Um, The bigger deal is, you know, can you have two really good months uh, on this basis? And this is the other thing that I've, I've talked about before from, you know, playoff baseball teams. You know, and I know this sounds stupid. I'd kind of like to go cold right now. Than to be cold in September going into October.
0: I I buy that. I buy that. Especially because, I mean, I think that this team offensively is good to occasionally great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the pitching is pretty good. I'd say it's okay to pretty good. I'd say it's uh,
1: uh, slightly okay to below average is the best way to describe it. Okay. but, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's terrible. I, and I, I think when I look back at 2005, I'd say that was a pitching um, you know, staff that was
0: terrible to really bad. <laughs> but right now, you know, again, since the 26th, the, the hitting has not been good to great. And the pitching has not been just okay. Yeah. Right? I think those things will normalize back out.
1: I, I, I agree with that aspect. I think that's the big deal, which is, you know— whenever we look at you know batters, specifically single batters, they always kind of have that, you know, roller coaster effect. You know, no one is ever consistently through the entire season. Um, I think this is just a really bad 14-game stretch, 15-game stretch, and it stinks and it's really frustrating, but the team is going to come back eventually. Um, we'll just have to get 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 past that aspect.
0: So we're we're exploring our feels. This evening, right, in a very off-the-cuff fashion. But I I think about the fan base a lot and the fact that we are new to this. You know, we're new to watching a baseball team that is pretty good to good, that is in playoff contention, and experiencing a rough patch. We, We don't have a whole lot of experience with that. And beyond that, we don't have a whole lot of experience with it in the social media era. Yeah. It's
1: weird, though. Like, and, and it's just a, maybe it's a different standpoint. Like, I keep looking back, again, always to the Buckle Up Birds era. And, again, I look at the similarities, the the differences, as it were. But, again, a lot more similarities than differences, in, in my opinion, um, you know, outside of a great farm system that you're pulling from. Um, but, like, this happens all the time. And I just don't understand why people are, in essence, um, treating baseball like they do the nfl and that's Mm -hmm. what it certainly seems like which is if you go in these stretches for two weeks and you lose um the season's over and it's time to start getting ready for for spring training for 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 what what is it called training camp um so i just don't understand it um and i never have understood this standpoint of like why people think that you know brief stretches are a disaster i'll tell you what disaster is disaster is again 2005 Where you win what four games in your last 40 games? Four and thirty-two. Four and thirty-two, thank you. So it wasn't four and thirty-six like I thought, but four and thirty-two. Um, that's a disaster. And I remember um going back to college in my senior year and being like, well, maybe they'll turn it around in September and maybe we'll have winning, like a winning record. And I remember sitting there listening to radio in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, and just barely hearing like the fades in of WBAL on occasion. Uh, because this is before you know streaming and stuff like that and um yeah, not so much um, and those were, were those were dark times. I don't feel like that's the case. I think right now it's it's the standpoint of like it's ugly baseball um but it's so close to being good baseball if that makes sense
0: i I feel that. Can I change the topic for just a second? Sure I want to talk about the all-star selections. yeah here's something that's weird. Adley Rutschman missed out on being Mm. voted into the All-Star Game. The Orioles have... You're not going to soapbox on that? No, no, I'm not. The Orioles have four selections to the All-Star Game. And I feel different this year Mm -hmm. than in recent memory. Okay. Because the Orioles do not have a pity pick. It's true. Right? This is not Ty Wigginton going to the All-Star Game. Yeah. Those are four legitimate All-Stars that were selected by people who know baseball yep. who are going to the all-star game to represent the Orioles. And I think that is fantastic. Like I, of course I wish that they were starting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wish they were starting, but let's be frank, Frank, you know, a, all-star game starting is just a weird voting standpoint. And again, I'll point out, um, it, it's very obvious to me when I look at it. I'm like, well, you've got a bunch of Rangers fans. So you've got a major metropolitan area, in essence, voting there. You've got star names such as Judge and Trout um, and Otani, who I think actually all deserve to go. Um, I have yeah. no beef about that. But it's really hard for a Baltimore metropolitan area to basically say, hey, we're going to do enough fan voting in order to get someone into the All Star game.
0: So I hear you. I hear you. But tell Kansas City that.
1: Uh, so let's come back to that standpoint. So I, someone made this argument to me before. So, you know, Major League Baseball did do, let's say something clever, but they did basically say like, hey, if you're going to vote, we're going to look to see, has your computer voted before? So you could get around it by going into incognito mode and entering in multiple email addresses and stuff like that. Whereas before, with the Kansas City standpoint, you could just click, a click, you click, you click. So like. You know, in, in classic Orioles Twitter fandom standpoint, you could assign bots to the MLB site and you could vote. Wait, I've never heard of bots affecting votes. Never, never. So, I mean, I, I'm i going to give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt on this one. Like, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, yeah, is it possible the Orioles going to make this happen? It's possible. But in reality, you know, I'm not that concerned about it. So and I don't think it's that big of a deal.
0: I think it's great that the Orioles were recognized in such a fashion. I have heard some discussion about like, oh, do we need to alter the way that all-star game voting happens? I'm just going to throw this out there. I do not care about that even a little bit. Uh, is that is that something that, that is uh, attractive to you?
1: All right. So I don't really care about it. Here, here's where I really come down hard on, on All-Star Game. If I could make one change right now for the All-Star Game. Are you pulling out your soapbox right now? I'm pulling out my soapbox here, and I think you're going to approve of it. <laughs> um, if I make one change for All-Star Game, it's all the players go back to wearing their jerseys for their home team. Oh, yeah. As opposed to whatever you know this aspect is. I've got no issues with folks wearing those jerseys at the Home Run Derby um, or in other instances, but there's no way in chance that i'm um in essence wanting to see um these these current uniforms i know it's a it's a cash pulley but i have no interest in it whatsoever
0: scotty you you went after sports aesthetics and uh of course of course i'm going to to love that uh last thing associated with the all-star game austin hayes Yep, sent to his first all-star game does he get there yeah, I think he gets there. Okay, so he's not uh, he's not going to be injured for no, the All-Star game? No, I mean, they
1: in, the Hyde indicated tonight that he is available off the bench. Um, I think the bigger question is, um, is he going to start the All-Star game? Because Judge is not going to start. Trout's not going to start now because he broke his ham eight. Um The Marquecas bone. The Marcakis bone. Um, I think that's the bigger question is this. hey start
0: an All-Star game. That'd be great. I don't think it's going to happen. Not for the AL, but it would be great yeah. for us. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see. What about Adley in the Home Run Derby? Weird. Weird. I mean, would you have ever pegged Adley for the Home Run Derby? Not really. No. I mean, I guess I guess Major League Baseball is going for star power and, and good on them for, for selling the product with... Sure. with The faces, right? Yep. We've, we've said that the NFL and the NBA do so so much better job with that. So good for them. Yep. And good for Adley. Yep. Good for Baltimore. Uh, the only thing about it that I'm into is if his dad is his bullpen. That's cool. That, I mean, that is just, when we talk about baseball being a game of narrative, Yep, like this is exactly it. I mean, just pump that into my
1: veins. To be fair, you're saying this because you're a, a father of a catcher as well, but
0: I am indeed. Um, <clears throat> but I think it is unlikely that he will be in a major league baseball um home run derby, and even more unlikely that I would be able to throw a ball uh oh, for batting practice. Let's just be candid here.
1: If he manages to get to the major league baseball, he manages to go to the home run derby. You know Javi Burns is throwing him pitches off the mound.
0: Yeah, either that or his real dad will show up, which will, you know, would be would be fine. Yeah. So uh we've covered a lot Daniel of. Cabrera, right? <laughs> We've covered like, a lot of ground. Human- J.J. G- Hardy. J.J. <laughs> Hardy. We've covered a lot of ground here. We have. He knows how to handle the ping pong paddle. <laughs> Sarah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we we talked about the fact that um, everything is sad right yeah. now. We've talked about the fact that everything might not be sad forever, or it could be. We've talked about the fact that the Orioles are being um, recognized in the Midsummer Classic. And we even teased out the fact that that this birds eye podcast will be producing its annual mid-season award show coming up in in just a week or two so Scotty what else is there left to do um i don't know what else is there left to do that that would have been a great moment for us to have a henry rudia joke but i think that's another podcast are are you Are you able to refresh to get to any of our regular segments? I am not in this given instance. So we we need to then make a decision about what we're going to do about good, bad, or uh, fantasy boss. Uh, Do you want to extend it through this week and just see what happens? I think we extend it to our next podcast.
1: All right, let's extend it to our podcast. um, And that should be right after the all-star break. Uh, So we'll see, um, you know, who won that and who was the boss. Um, You know, we discussed it before. There's a lot of ugly going on. Very little good, so really no need to cover the good, bad, and the ugly. That could have been an ugly, ugly, ugly. It, it, I would have. I would still have thrown out a good is the best way to describe it. I,
0: You're too kind. I'll give kind you a nice. good.
1: I'll, I'll give you a good is the best way to describe it. Um, you know, one of the goods that I think you know came out of this week was um, a lot of rain delays um, last week with the Red Series and the Orioles giving a voucher um, mm. to all folks that got to go through two of those rain delays from that first game. Good for tickets up to $88, so not just nosebleed tickets, is a really good ploy by the Orioles. I have to say, I stuck around until about 12.15 or 12.30 on Tuesday, kind of hoping that I was going to get one. They didn't offer it for that second game. I was just like,
0: really was hoping for some lower bowl free tickets.
1: (laughs) Um, But anyway, like I said, there is some good um, going on in Birdland.
0: If you're going to recognize rain delay, great uh, or or good— We've got to give a shout out to Nicole Sherry and her incredible team, who, of course, takes great care of the field. And, uh, you know, it's never us that you see on the rain delay bloopers. Uh, thanks, everybody. No, it's just the Braves. It's just the Braves. And, and the, the folks down the road. Exactly. Uh, a couple of years ago. And so, Scotty, I think for this off-the-cuff episode, we're, we're basically, we've talked ourselves out. Yeah. And so that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdsofyoubaltimore.com. View Birds is
1: available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people
0: to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact contactsofyoubaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook snapchat the ticks and the talks but the best way to get a hold of us is on twitter for now where we tweet at View bal and with that baltimore and beyond i'll bid you all a fond da-do-a-do. good night baltimore blue skies are coming and let's go oaks